0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday morning podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. we to so invite the children to come down here. Have a word of prayer with the guys for you guys. you head out to your children's church and children's choir. If you're visiting with us today, we have programs for our children. Children's Choir and Children's Church, for those who are grade 6. Good to have you guys with us today. Come on down. I just want to say hi to you and have a word of prayer with you because I'm not going to see you for two weeks now, okay? And as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be going to Israel on Tuesday. and We're going to have a great time. We're going to stay safe. and We're going to be healthy. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to be traveling with our friends, get to know each other better, and it's going to be a great time. Wouldn't it be great if I could take all of you, and get you on your plane, take it to Israel? Would you like that? Yeah. You guys all got passports? No. You got a passport. <laughs> okay. Maybe. Okay. Well, maybe sometime. But let me ask you something. If you could get on the plane on Tuesday morning, we're going to fly to Germany to Frankfurt. And then from Frankfurt to Tel Aviv. When we get to Tel Aviv, we'll be in Israel. We're going to get off the ground plane and we're going to kiss the ground. How's that? Well, listen. When we get there, if you were going with us, if you could go with us, what would you like to see in Israel? If you were going to Israel, what'd you like to see? Maybe the cross. You know what? We're gonna go to the place where the cross was most likely. The cross is gone, but we're gonna see Golgotha, where Jesus was crucified, and we're gonna go there and we're gonna have communion together at, at Golgotha. Yeah. Tomb of Moses, you know hey, okay, you know what? We're we're going there. We're going to Mount Nebo. And we don't exactly know because God buried Moses and he didn't tell anybody where he buried him. But it was in that area. So there is a marker there. We're going to see that. I've never been that part of the trip. That's going to be great. The Dead Sea. We're going to go to the Dead Sea. We're going to spend a night at the Dead Sea. You know what? When you try to swim in the Dead Sea, you can't sink. It's so heavy with the salt concentration that you just float. It's really fun. Just want to make sure you don't put your eyes in it because it stinks. Well, Bethlehem. And we'll have an option to go to Bethlehem. And there's a church built over the site where Jesus was born. And we'll go downstairs, and we'll see that site, and we'll get to visit Bethlehem. One more. You'd like to see a camel. We will see camels. And uh, we might even get to ride some. I don't know. Mrs. Kemper got to ride a camel and told me all about it. And she says, you got to ride the camel no matter what it costs. So uh, we'll see a camel. But you know what? Listen. We're going to go there, and it's really exciting because we're, we just sang a song about it's all about you, Jesus. And we're going to be where the story started, aren't we? We're going to be where Bethlehem will be where his story started. We'll be in Jerusalem where his earthly story ended, but then he rose from the dead. And the story started there, and it moved out from there. It moved all over the world, and it took a while, but it came all the way across the oceans, and it came to, to our country, to our continent. And you know what? Where God has each of you is where he wants you to keep that story going. Right? You are part of that story. You keep the story going by how you treat your friends this week. You have a chance to tell them about Jesus, to pray for them, and to be a missionary. We have a missionary with us, but you are missionaries right where you are in your neighborhoods, in your schools, in your family. And we're going to keep that story going that started way back then. Yes, Ariana, you got something on me? Well, we'll see about that. (laughs) It's a good thing your dad's a lawyer because uh, if you did that, we'd have to find out about that one. She wants to dig up the bones of Moses. So, (laughs) all right. And we're going to be we're going to travel not too far from where your grandfather came from, but we're not going there. (laughs) Okay. So, all right. So we pray. Let's pray, guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these children, these young people. We thank you. This It's a joy to have them here. It is such an important part of our church family. Uh, it would just be so different if they weren't here. And so we ask your blessing upon them. Continue to keep them excited and enthused. And Lord, I pray that they will help keep the story going of the salvation message of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, this week with their friends and their neighborhood and their schools and their families. And Lord, we ask your blessing upon them. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people say together... Amen. Lord bless you guys. Thanks for coming down today. Have a good day. Take your Bible there. As children grow up, and we get to watch them grow up and serve and become adults and serve in ministry. Also, we get to see, we've got some college students home. Uh, some are done with school, some are visiting, and it's good to have you home. And I think uh Zach Nelson's here. I saw Zach earlier. Where are you, Zach? Zach's here somewhere. Zach is uh, graduated from his program down there. He was in Salt Lake City area, right? His last... Got a certification. Again, he's looking for a job now at a Subaru dealership. So all of you that have Subarus, we'll find out where Zach's going to be working, huh? And get him there. It's all good. So when you're reading your Bibles, some of, you, some of you are doing the Bible reading, where you read through the Bible in a year. And uh, we've been working through that as well. And Sometimes you'll come to passages reading your Bible. When you're reading through the year or just reading your devotional reading, and you may come across a passage like this. Ahaziar, their chief, and Joash, the sons of Shema. The Gibeothite. Jeziel and Pelate, the sons of Azamazoth. Barak, Jehu, the Anophite. And Ishmael, the Gibeonite, a mighty man among the thirty who was a leader of the thirty. Jeremiah, Jahaziel, Johanan, Josabad, and the Gedarathite. Elu, Eluzai, Jeremathai, Beli. Alright. <laughs> so, let's be honest. For some of you, when you get to those portions of scriptures like that, and it goes on and on and on, what do you do? You skip it sometimes, don't you? Come on, be honest. Sometimes you skip it, or we're reading it in Teresa and I say, well, we'll come back to that. Let's move on to chapter 22, where we get to the next part of the story, right? Sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes we get to those names. Uh, I know some of you engineers, you know, you like those details. You like to read them all, look them up, and that's what we should do. But let's be honest, sometimes we get to those names, especially when they're a little tough to pronounce. Uh, it's easy to just kind of block, just to kind of blank out and just read them without even thinking sometimes and move on. But you know what's interesting? When you read through the Bible, you realize how many names are in the Bible. I mean, there is an immense amount of names in the Bible. Individual names and their family trees, and their family history, and he begat so-and-so, and and begat so-and-so, and begat... We come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we get two genealogies of names. You know, each of those names represent a person that was an important part of God's story. Names are important. And each name represents... I mean, this is God's inspired word. At our church, we have a high view of Scripture. We believe it's God's word. It's God's inspired word. And that each of those names, God has there for a reason. Each name is important. When we come to Colossians this morning, and we're going to, this is my last message from Colossians. We've been studying this book together. And we've talked about being encouraged in heart, united in love, and knowing Christ. And as we come to the end of Colossians, we're actually going to, and next Sunday Gary's going to have uh, one more lesson from Colossians and we'll finish the epistle next uh, Sunday morning. If you've not been with us, all of our messages are on our church website, the recordings as well. If you missed some, you can go back and uh, catch up on those. But as we begin this story in Colossians and we finish up next week, but today I'd like you to, to go back to where we started in Colossians chapter one for just a moment, and then we're going to move to Colossians four for our text this morning. But let's pray. Father, as we open your word, we pray that uh we would hear your words and that your words would impact our lives, would change our lives. We would listen to your words, listen to you, and walk accordingly. And we thank you, Lord, for your love for us and for giving us your word that we can hold up. We have brothers and sisters all around the world today, on every continent. are gathered around your word. Some gather in great danger, some in great poverty, some in great distress. Others in very opulent situations. Lord, they gather around your word. And we pray that your word will be honored and will bring fruit in the lives of our brothers and sisters around the world this day, including here in Seattle. In Christ's name. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, I want to remind you how the story Begins, it begins with Paul identifying himself, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. So right away we begin the epistle with the name, Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God, our father. As you begin this epistle, we began looking at in the greeting of Paul's love for these people. A church he has never visited. He's not been to this church. He did not found this church, if you will. Someone else did, who maybe was impacted by his ministry. This is one of the few places he writes to where he has not been to. and And he tells them that. And he wants to come there. But these are people. And he begins it with his name. With the name of a fellow worker. And he begins and goes through this first section we looked at for a couple of weeks and talks to these saints and look at verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up from you in heaven. And he goes on to talk to them in a very personal way about what he has heard and so as he comes to the end of this epistle, as we've considered being encouraged in our hearts, united in love with one another and with God, and that we know the Lord Jesus Christ and know Him better and draw close to Him. And we, we've sung this morning, it's all about our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what matters. We come to Colossians chapter 4 this morning. As we come to the wrap-up, and you'll notice, at least in my Bible, I have a heading. The NIV translation has a heading here that the last section is final greetings. And you know, sometimes it's even tempting in the New Testament. When we get to something like that, and okay, he's done with the epistle now. We're just going to talk about people. So we'll read through it and move on to the meat of the next epistle. It's easy to, to think that way sometimes. But I want us to stop this morning and think about these names and what they represent. People people who are very important in what God is doing. So let's begin at verse 7. And we're going to look at some of these names this morning, and one in particular, and I have them up on the board behind me just so you can you can kind of see in some of the highlights with these. First of all, he says, Tychicus will tell you news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he might encourage your hearts. Tychicus, and the, the wording here describes somebody who is really a fellow partner with Paul, sharing in his sufferings. This, this man was very important in Paul's ministry. As, a, as a, We think of Timothy and someone that, that maybe we read a little bit more about. Tychicus, you read him in the, in the epistles, he was very important, fellow servant in the ministry that the Apostle Paul had. He is coming to you. I am sending him to you. Then he says, he is coming with Onesimus. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother. Who is one of you? So the epistle of Philemon, right, is the story of Onesimus, the runaway slave. That, that Paul writes to Philemon and says, he's become very valuable to me. And asks for him to be released so he can serve him. He's from Colossae. Philemon and Colossians go together. They're the same context, the same city. That's where the Philemon story and Onesimus story takes place. These two will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you greetings. As does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Some of the older translations may have had nephew. It's really bitter translation is Cousin. You have re- And in parentheses in the NIV, you have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, Jesus was a very common name in the first century. It's really Joshua, Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua. It's the, it's the same name. Jesus, who is also called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. And I put up on the board behind me, you'll notice, I put... Um, at least those two and possibly and possibly Aristarchus. It says literally in the Greek, it says they are of the circumcision. It doesn't say they are of the Jews. It says they are of the circumcision, which indicates that they are Jews. But we're going to come back to that, why that is important, that it specifically says that about these two or maybe three individuals. And then as we move on, you'll see that we have uh, these are the only guys where in verse 12 Epaphras who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends his greetings he's always wrestling for you in, in his prayers he's always wrestling for you in his prayers that you may stand firm in the will of God mature and is fully assured I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for all those in Laodicea and Herapolis our dear friend Luke the physician the doctor Luke, the doctor, who traveled with Paul, who wrote the book of Acts and Luke. He is here too. He sends you his greetings, as does Demas, who shows up in 2 Timothy as the one who forsook Paul because he loved this world. Give my greeting to the brothers of Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house and Archippus. All these people, all these names. And Nympha must have been the one who... Who owned the house where this, where this church met, this house church. All these people, these were all names that were so important in the early, you know, I, I, they came across a quote in one of the commentaries that I thought was really, I thought was really good. It was by an uh, author named Dunn in his commentary on Colossians. He says this. and this is a little bit long. I don't like to read long quotes, but I would like you to listen to this. Of considerable importance, for the character and vitality of the first Christian churches was the fact there was a network of personal friendships and relationships knitting them together. They were bound together not simply by a common experience of faith, but by friendships of family and relations of like-minded common interests and pursuits of hosts and guest hospitality perhaps extending over many years. We should not think that such greetings came only through Paul or only on the occasion of Paul's letter. Rather, we should assume that these friendships existed and thrived quite independently of Paul and those here mentioned were simply taken opportunity given by the journeys of Tychicus and Onesimus to reaffirm, celebrate these friendships with the little touches of thoughtfulness and concern which keep friendships bright and fresh. It is one of the two little appreciated values of Paul's letters that they attest to the vitality of these early churches precisely in their character as a system of overlapping, interlocking circles of friendship, sustained, no doubt, as well as exemplified here by regular contact and communication. I want you to get this. Concept in this context of these churches around Asia Minor and Greece and down into Judea of brothers and sisters in the Lord who were really concerned about each other and these contacts and these travels and these letters and these friendships and these hospitalities. I mean, think how many of you, how many of you have Christian brothers and sisters on another continent or a faraway land that you think of regularly. How many of you? Come on, don't you? You don't have to have traveled. People come here and share. April's gonna share tonight about the ministry in Puerto Rico. We've had teams go down to Puerto Rico to to build, to serve, to minister. We've had teams go to Africa and Asia, South America, here in the United States. And we build this network of friends and and fellowship that is so important to God's work. You know, when we go visit churches and other places, when we've been to Africa and to Asia and, and Puerto Rico, and we and we bring greetings. It's very important to them when they say, "Greet the brothers in Seattle, greet the brothers and sisters in Shoreline." It is not just a throwaway line or cursory line. It is very important to them. It is very important to them that you that we bring back greetings and tell you, "Welcome and hello and love from them." And likewise, we should be doing the same as we send greetings. Them. I want to talk about one particular person this morning to, t- to, to kind of peel open a little bit more. If we could peel open each of these individuals and peel open their stories like an onion and take the layers away, what would we find about their stories? What would I find about your story? What would you find about my story? Last night we had a gathering. Over 100 people gathered. and it was They just called Celebrate Elisa. Just a, uh, Elisa wasn't able to come because she has had a difficult week. But she was here in spirit with us and we was taped and greetings sent. And it was a time to celebrate our friendship, to bring encouragement. Um, I was over to visit Sam last night. I know many of you have been over and, and, and to celebrate friendship. These are important things in our lives. People are important to us, are they? People are important. It's important to the ministry and your friends and your connections and those you pray for, it is important. Let's peel away one man, one name here, and I want us to peel away for a moment the story of Mark. In a few minutes we have left. Once you look at back at verse ten, my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. And he is one of the circumcision, the only of the of his fellow Jews. That is serving with him. Story of Mark. We're going to look at these stories. Let's look at a couple of scriptures in the book of Acts. That tell us about Mark. Let's go back to Acts chapter 15. Luke the physician. Luke the doctor. Uh, wrote this account. And In Acts chapter 15. We have at the end of the Jerusalem council. The Jerusalem council is a time. When there was great controversy in the early church. Great controversy. Almost insurmountable, almost about to split into two groups completely of the early Christian church. And it had to do with the fact of the difficulty of Paul's fellow Jews accepting that pagan, pagan, I mean outright pagan Gentiles, non-Jews, could simply Accept the message of the grace of God and, and just like you and just like me, come to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I recognize I'm a sinner. Kevin had his share in 90 seconds last week, the gospel with one another, that simple story that we are sinners. We cannot save ourselves. Ariana wanted to see the cross. I mean, we all, you know, you have to go to, to Golgotha and there's actually two sites of potential places where Jesus was buried. And we'll visit both of them. One of them, at least, is the one where you really get the feel for it. And you want to go there. Because this is the heart of our story, that Jesus Christ died on the cross at Calvary. He suffered God's payment and punishment for our sin. And we can receive eternal life, forgiveness for sins, the hope of salvation through simple faith saying yes to God. I received that. Philippian jailer, pagan, Roman jailer, What must I do to be saved? What did Paul say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And your whole family will as well if they do that. So this controversy erupts that how is it possible these people who have no connection to the, you know, we've been keeping the Mosaic Law. We've been keeping kosher. We've been keeping pure. Pure yes, we accept Christ as Messiah, we accept our salvation, but you expect these pagans to just come in here and say yes to God, and all of a sudden they're just like us? Certainly they must have to do something. Certainly there's got to be some keeping of the Mosaic Law, some cleanliness, some purity according to our laws and regulations. And this controversy was about to split the church, and Paul goes down there with his travelers, and they go down to Jerusalem, and they have a council, and they finally come to an understanding. And they realize what's happening in the Gentile world. They're coming to Christ in the thousands. And churches are being established. And they're doing it apart from the Mosaic Law. And finally the brothers James and, and Peter and John and the others in Jerusalem finally agree. With those of the circumcision. That's the word it's used for. Them. They agree and say, okay, Paul, you have our blessing. You can continue this ministry. Would you please ask them not to to strangle animals, to eat blood, to refrain from sexual immorality. And Paul says, yes, we will do that. And they have this agreement. Paul and Barnabas, who was very well known, they go back to Antioch. And they're going to go back. And in chapter 15, as you come to the very end of the story, verse 36, sometime later, Paul says to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers, the brothers and the sisters and all the towns where we preached on our first missionary journey where this whole controversy is the result of. Let us go back. Let's see how they are doing. Let's go visit them again. And Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark. His name is Mark John, John Mark. That's why both names are used. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia on that first journey and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Paul and Barnabas, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, right? Lennon and McCartney, you know, Lerner and Lowe. I mean, these names go together, right? I'm thinking of musicians, you know. Uh, Jordan and Pippin. Okay, I mean, you know, these names go together. Paul and Barnabas—they were a team. They were together. They were—they were the team. They were the A team traveling in the ministry. And their dispute is so harsh that they say, "We're not going together." Paul says, "Barnabas, if you insist on bringing John Mark, I'm not going with you." And Barnabas says, "Paul, if you won't bring John Mark, I'm not going with you." And they part ways. Now, there's a lot we could read in this story. We don't know all the details. We could read more into it than maybe we should. But they simply parted ways. And Paul goes back and takes Silas with him to go visit the brothers and sisters in Asia Minor and eventually ends up in Macedonia and Greece. And Barnabas takes Mark with him and he sails for Cyprus. And they split up over John Mark. Now, you can take some time yourself. To, you'll notice in, in the book of Acts, I have the Acts chapter 12 passage, a little bit more about John Mark. If you remember the story where, where Peter was arrested and they let go and the people were praying for him and they came to a house and the young lady goes to the door but doesn't open it, right? And Peter's out there knocking and she runs back in and everybody's afraid because they see... Well, that's that house is John Mark's mother's house. Okay? So their family is connected with this early story in Jerusalem in in some pretty significant ways. That's the house where they were gathering and Peter was outside knocking. It's in Acts chapter 13 and verse 5 where we find out that they head out on this journey. And John Mark goes with them as a traveling companion. And we also find in verse 13 of this chapter, it just simply says Mark left them and went back to Jerusalem. He he left them. He left them and went back. That's all it says. It doesn't say why he left them. He doesn't say what happened. It just says he left them early on in the first missionary journey, and he goes back. He deserts them. He leaves them. Maybe there's an agreement. We have no idea why John left them. But we come to Acts chapter 15, and Barnabas says, Okay, Paul, I want to bring John Mark with us again. And Paul says, no, he is not going because he left us on that first journey. Now, we could speculate as to why John Mark left the most common assumption right away. People say, well, he must not have been up to this. He just must. He just wasn't man enough to do this. He just couldn't handle it. And so he deserted and went back. He couldn't handle this this ministry. That's possible. I want to suggest you another possibility and because of time, well, look, at come on, let's just go real quick. Go to Galatians chapter two. I want you to appreciate some of the controversy that this whole Jerusalem council, this whole thing continues throughout the New Testament. Look at Galatians chapter two. I can read you. This is this is late. Paul talks about some 14 years later when I go to Jerusalem and he comes back up to Antioch. In verse 11, when Peter came to Antioch, Peter, the apostle, Peter, Peter, the apostle, when he came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face publicly. Paul publicly had to take a stand before the church against Peter. And he said to him, because he was clearly in the wrong, before certain men came from James, that is in Jerusalem, of the circumcision, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of of those who belong to the circumcision group. These are believers. These are Christian, Christian Jews. The other Jews joined him in the hypocrisy. So by by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Barnabas, Paul's traveling companion, who spread the gospel, were the first ones to take the gospel to the Gentile world. And yet, when this controversy, this racial controversy came up, Peter and Barnabas pulled away and they wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. Can you imagine the damage done to that church when the founders, the original apostles, and Peter said, we have to separate. We, we can't sit over here with you people today. We're going to have to be over here. And Paul Paul has there, you know, you got to pick your battles and not every battle, not every mountain's worth dying on, but this was one of them. This was one hill worth dying on. And the apostle Paul had to publicly confront Peter and Barnabas. And say, why are you doing this? You know this is wrong. This is not what the church is about. This is not about race. This is not about gender. This is not about status. This is not about wealth or poverty. We are a body. You cannot do this. Is it possible that when John Mark went on that first missionary journey, he is a cousin of Barnabas. He's not a young little guy. He's important. His family is important. Is it possible that John Mark left them because he could not handle this controversy he could not handle this this going to these pagan Gentiles and welcoming them with open arms like that maybe he left because of that and maybe Paul says we're, we're going back to the Gentile world we're not he's not going with us well I want to—I have to wrap this up because of time but I wanted, to, I wanted to I told you I'd unpeel these layers and unpeeling these layers means we have to look at a few other we have to look at a little bit more of this story Philemon we're looking at Colossians right so here we are Colossians, Paul says, Mark is with me. This same guy that Paul says he's not going with us. We come to the prison epistles, which with Colossians is a prison epistle later in Paul's life. And Paul says, Mark is with me. And if he comes to you, I want you to welcome him. I've explained this. Why did he have to explain this? Is this controversy about Mark still out there in these churches in Turkey? Is this controversy, I mean, these controversies don't die easy, right? We know that. Is this controversy still out there about John Mark? Is, why would he be coming? He deserted Paul in the first journey. Uh, he and Barnabas had trouble with this, this Gentile. Is this controversy, Paul, Paul, says, listen, if he comes to you, I've told you, I want you to welcome him. I've explained it to you. You welcome him. Look at Philemon, which is the, uh, the book that goes, that goes with this, this story of Colossians in the book of Philemon. We have again. We'll see John, Mark mentioned in the book of Philemon, and we'll go to the very end here, Philemon, 24. I'll look at it up there with you. Philemon, 24, 23. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. So does Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Mark is important. First Peter. We go over to a few pages to First Peter. Peter, who is, who, uh, you should go back and read Galatians 2. Galatians 2, Paul says, Peter was called to take the ministry to the circumcision, to the Jews. I was called to take it to the Gentile. We had this understanding. God bless us. We're going. That's when that controversy came up about Barnabas. Read Galatians. Read Galatians chapter 2. Peter, in his epistle, in 1 Peter chapter 4. Notice this. 1 Peter chapter 4. And I have up on the board there verses 12 and 13. Dear friends, uh, and that's not right. <laughs> I bet it's five. Yes, it's five. Five, 12 and 13. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends her greetings. So does my son Mark. Mark is with Peter. At a critical point in his ministry, serving alongside of Peter, the apostle, and then and finally the last passage, Second Timothy chapter four. This is, these are the last words. These are some of the last words that Paul writes before his his execution by the Romans. In Second Timothy chapter four, as he talks about the people that are with him in ministry, and he says in verse nine, "Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas." We already, remember we mentioned Demas. Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. He's deserted. He's gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Paul's in his last days, and the only one with him is Luke, the physician, his doctor, his personal physician and traveling companion. Only Luke is with me. Only Luke. But look what he says: Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me. In my ministry. Wow, what a story. A story that, that, that earlier on, this, this, this Mark is so controversial that, that Paul and Barnabas split up and have this public quarrel, if you will, and they go their separate ways. And here at the end of the story, Mark is serving with Peter. Mark is so valuable to Paul. He says, I, I need Mark. Of all the people he could have asked for. He says, get Mark and bring him. I want Mark here. Mark may have been that bridge in this ministry with the Jew and Gentile. He may have been because he was part of that circumcision group, but he, a believer, and this controversy that was healed. Maybe he was a key part in the bridge as the story continues and has to be reconciled and has to move forward. Get Mark and bring him with you. One name, one person in God's story. What can we learn from this? What can you and I learn from this? Well, first of all, let's go back. Sometimes Christians have serious disagreements, right? Right? Is it okay to disagree? Is it okay to have a different opinion? I don't necessarily want to assume that Paul and Barnabas had a big emotional blow up. They disagreed on this. And it doesn't say God stepped in and said, Paul, you're right, or Barnabas, you're right. It doesn't say. They had a disagreement. And friends, we as Christians have disagreements. A church body can have disagreements, different opinions, this natural. It's normal. In our families, we can have disagreements. It's okay. It happens. It's part of being a human being. What happens and how we handle it is what matters. God can work even through our differences. God can work through our differences. Even the apostle Paul, he said, he said, you know what? Some people are preaching Christ out of vain glory, some out of envy and strife, some are even trying to do me harm. This amazing passage, Paul says, but you know what? It doesn't matter. What matters is what? What is it that matters? Christ is being preached. Listen, friends, I'm not important. I love being your pastor. I love serving this church, but this this story is about Christ, not us. This story was about Christ, not Paul. This this story is about Christ, not, I could start naming names, but I don't want you to fucking pick it up because I want to say everybody. I'm not important. Christ is important. What matters is His work. This is what matters. And if it even means that we have to learn to disagree and allow God to work through our disagreements, that's what matters. If people come to know Jesus Christ, there are going to be myriads of people in heaven for all eternity that are going to be there because of something we didn't like what happened. But God used it anyway. Listen friends, relationships can be restored. They can. They can be reconciled. God is a big God. He wants this of us. Colossians, be encouraged in heart with one another. Pray for one another. If God brings someone to your mind this week in another continent, pray for them. God brings us while we're traveling, Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Pray for one another. we mentioned some friends this morning. We are united in love. And we know Christ. You know, um, we're going to visit with Elise this afternoon. I know many of you have. I, I visited with Kurt this week. We mentioned people earlier. We Will and so, Sam. So several of you have been, God bless you, have been ministering to that family, helping them. And these are all situations where you think about the seriousness, and you know, in every situation, when it comes down to it, what really matters? Why were we here? Why were we here last night? And it was It was a great time. It's a great time. Why were we here? What really matters? Every so often, you know, life happens that. Sort of pulls the the skins off our onion, right? And as pastor, I get to walk through this with you, but we all know this. And we are reminded there really are only two things that really matter. You may have your opinion, but this is my opinion: God and people. That's what matters. We're not afraid. Right? We're not afraid. We're not intimidated. We're not afraid of life or death, healing, no healing. We're not afraid. I was with Sam last night, held his hand, and he talked a little bit, and he kind of alerted, and and once again, there's just, he's not afraid. Nothing to be afraid of. What matters to him is his God, his family, His friends and people coming to Christ. That's what this is about. It's a story of people. That's what matters. God matters. His ministry, the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ matters. And you and I matter to God. That's what it is. That's what this story is. It's a wonderful story. And it's a privilege. I hope for you that at least once in a while you stop in humility and just thank God for the privilege of being a part of this story. That's what matters. Let's conclude our service in the final hymn. It's a great song. We're going to sing together join our hearts. Thank you for coming and joining us today. Come back tonight at 6 o'clock because we're going to talk about brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico. Lives that really matter. And I want you to come and be a part of that and hear about April's uh, burden and her privilege and her call to Puerto Rico. When I read to you earlier some names from the Bible from uh, First Chronicles, I remember the first time I read this boring passage of names. Johanan, not the first time, the first time I paid attention, Josabad, the Gedarite, Eluhazai, Jeremoth, Beliah, Shemariah, and Sh- What? <laughs> it's there. It's really there. It's got an H on the end like it really is supposed to have. And naturally thought, whoa, there's my name, my last name in the Bible, in the Old Testament. It's there three times. My first name's in there too, right, James? Some of your names are in the Bible. All of your names. Every one of you is in the Bible. Because the Bible clearly says God knew you before the foundation of the world and He has called you to Himself. Your name is in God's Word. Let's walk this week like we belong to Him and serve Him and love Him and Shalom <laughs> see you in a couple of weeks. Father we thank you for your goodness to us. we thank you that our names are written in the book of life. whoa think of that. Think of that when we stand before you in all of our humanity and our weakness and our stupidity sometimes, our failings times when we step back and say why aren't why aren't, why aren't I more, why aren't I just living for the Lord like I should? Why would He why would He accept me? And that we're going to stand before you and you are going to welcome us with joy into the heaven. Because we are yours. And you paid for us. And you love us more than we could ever imagine. And as much as you are ever going to love us. And that great day is going to be a day not of just joy for us, but joy for You. We thank You. We love You. We praise Your name. And we leave this place as a humble people, rejoicing in our salvation. And we invite anyone here today who has never received Christ's forgiveness for sins to be a part of that story, to say yes to God, and to join us for all eternity. In Christ's name we say, Amen.